today on Ag News Daily. Well, John Deere and I, um, dear John and I, have a kind of like love-hate relationship. They <laughs> kind of, they kind of wish I didn't exist, but I kind of, you know, I'm, I love them. They're kind of fun. Like they're fun to have, you know, they're fun to do research on because it's such an important part of the uh, the earth. Agnes Daily today is brought to you by Mystic Lubricants. For a better look at their full range of top quality products, visit mysticlubes.com. That's M-Y-S-T-I-K-L-U-B-E-S.com. This is Tanner Winterhoff, joined today by Delaney Howell. How's Delaney? I'm good, Tanner, and we've got a really action-packed episode today. Folks, it's going to be a little bit of a long one, but we promise you it's super worth tuning into the entire episode. Yeah, I think we will hit news a little bit quickly, so that way we can get to the major things. Tony, why don't we start off with your conversation in regards to how the crop tour went yesterday? What do you think? Absolutely. Let's kick it over to that quick conversation with Ted Seifred. Well, folks, as we promised, chatting with Ted Seifert, which Ted, by the time this airs, it will have been the day prior. So we're chatting Monday evening as you guys are fresh off day one of the Pro Farmer Crop Tour. Tell our listeners where you toured today. Uh, yeah, so Delaney, we started the morning in uh, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and then we went uh, through South Dakota into Nebraska. We crossed over right at Yankton. Uh, and then we worked our way uh, pretty much straight south, south but we kind of zigzagged, you know, as we're as we're pulling samples uh, straight south to uh, to Grand Island, Nebraska. And uh, then we'll have our, our meeting this evening in Grand Island. Uh, then tomorrow morning we'll get up and, and go from Grand Island, Nebraska, to Nebraska City, Nebraska. So um, a lot more Nebraska coming tomorrow. But uh, today, our car we we focus on Nebraska because we split her out with uh, Chip Flory and, and Emily and they did the South Dakota portion, which is a very small portion anyways. Um, Nebraska. So we spent all day pulling samples in uh, sort of the Western part of the growing area in Nebraska. And that's definitely been an area that a lot of people have had question marks around as far as what yield is going to look like for this year. So let's talk this year first on the corn side of things. How did yields come in? Yeah, not great. Uh, And to your point, you know, we were all kind of wondering what this would look like because this is uh, some of the the hardest hit as far as uh, drought stress. And, And we knew that it was going to be maybe not so great compared to years last or prior years, but uh, I think it was a bit worse than what people, what we were expecting anyways. Um, we came in with a car average for today on 14 stops with 144. Uh, that was a total of five irrigated and nine dry land fields. Uh, that was a bit lower than what we were expecting. I think, uh, I, think we, I, I was kind of thinking we'd come in in the 160s somewhere upper 150s, low 160s. So, yeah, a bit below. We, we were definitely seeing a whole lot of evidence of uh, stress. Uh, some very dry, cracked soils. Uh, he had a, a lot of corn that was just, you know, corn plants are, are, you know, turning brown. And it's just, it's really dry and it's warm. 
there's been a lot of heat. Uh, and they had a lot of issues. I mean, we had a chance to, to talk with uh, a farmer out this way as well. Uh, and he was telling, them, telling us about how they got seven inches of rain shortly after planting, which that didn't help with stands. Uh, so ear count has been an issue as well. Um, and then, yeah, and then they got all the heat uh, and, and can't, can't catch a rain. So, uh, you know, the irrigated is irrigated, right? It, it's, that crop's going to be there, uh, but it doesn't look it doesn't look anything special, really. It's uh, it's just there. And then the dry land is really, really struggling. In fact, we had a couple dry land fields that were under, uh, well, we had a, an 82, we had a 65, uh, 106, you know, 112, a lot, a lot of that. And again, one of the bigger problems that we were seeing is uh, ear counts were, were really low. And Ted, how, I know obviously weather is different year to year, but how does this year compare to last year's tour? Yeah, I don't have the data from uh, our our leg from last year because we did a bit of a different route, so I can't compare apples to apples there. But um, yeah, this is the dry land in particular is significantly worse off on this on this side of Nebraska uh, than what we were looking at last year. Now tomorrow is going to be very interesting. One because we're going to see a uh, probably a closer 50-50 mix of dry land and irrigated. Uh, but also the area that we're going to be running through tomorrow isn't uh, as bad off on the drought monitor. Uh, so we should expect to see better corn uh, tomorrow, but we don't know. That's why we do this. And Ted, what about on the soybean side of things? How is that looking? You know, soybeans were interesting. Um, the soybeans are really hanging on. And, and the irrigated in particular looks like it still has quite a bit of potential. Uh, even the dry land is still kind of hanging in there, but they really need to see uh, rains in, in a really near, uh, really short term. Um, pod counts are pretty good, you know, but at this point, there's still a lot of flatter pods that would need to fill out, and they're going to need the moisture to do that. Uh, but our pod count uh, in District 3, our average was uh, 1,016, and our average in District 6 was uh, 1,110. Uh, so those are pretty decent numbers. They're down uh, a little bit from last year in the three-year average, um, but it's not a sharp drop-off, not quite as sharp as uh, what it looks like the corn was. And Ted, I know um, we watch Pro Farmer Tour every year and see all the tweets and see all the stories about it, but what actually are you guys doing day-to-day aside from obviously driving to these different fields? What's the process look like to collecting the data? No, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so I mean, it, it's it is quite a long uh, drive and, and distance to travel, but in the meantime, we are stopping in corn and soybean fields for corn. Uh, we'll go into a field past the end row, and then walk 35 paces. Then we have a a, a 30 foot rope uh, that we'll 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 mark off 30 feet of uh, of a row. We'll count the ears in that 30 feet, and then we will uh, count the the row next to it so we take the average of two rows we pull the fifth eighth and eleventh corn ear that we find uh then we take those three ears out the number of kernels around we count uh, or measure the grain length and we uh, uh we average the ear uh the, the ear count from those two rows you times those three things together and then you divide by the row space which is usually 30, but we did see a 20 today. Uh, and that gives you a, a 
what they call a rough and dirty yield estimate. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of people say, well, you know, what about test weight or what about kernel depth? And well, you know, we don't have, you know, days to, 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 to spend in each one of these fields. So we have to just do it very quickly. That is the way we're able to do that. Fantastic. Well, Ted, I know we're going to be hopefully chatting with you again later this week, but you're also super active on social media. If folks want to follow along with the crop tour as you're tweeting it out, where can they find you? Yeah, it's at the Ted spread. Uh, and uh, you're absolutely right, Delaney. I, I try to get about you know half of the stuff that we make. I, I uh, Today I was in corn, so I was really doing mostly on corn, but uh, yeah, I try to I try to share that with as many people as I can, uh, so you can kind of follow along and see what we're doing. Fantastic, Ted. Thank you. We'll talk to you again hopefully later this week. Well, and Tanner, obviously Ted was on the Western leg and in the Eastern leg, which was of course the Ohio leg, uh, we saw not too many surprises compared to what we saw in the East in the Western leg. And as far as yields came in there, we saw in Ohio, um, pretty normal yields. They were as far as soybeans go actually a little bit above average compared to years prior. And as far as corn data went, they were somewhere right around a 174 for that yield, which is a little bit lower compared to 2021 yields at 185, but still looking pretty good compared to what they saw in the Western leg. Yeah. And that kind of seems to be lining up a little bit with what the crop progress report is saying. So obviously that came out yesterday. Both corn and soybean good to excellent ratings took a little bit of a tumble. So crop development for corn, 97% was silking. That's not a surprise. Two, still two percentage points behind the five-year average. However, crop condition, 55% is good to excellent. So two points dropped there, Delaney. Soybeans, 97% were blooming. Again, that is right on pace for the five-year average. However, we're a little bit behind on setting pods. And crop conditions there, 57% of soybeans were rated good to excellent. So down one percentage point from last week. So we see a little bit of deterioration as we look across corn and soybeans, according to the crop progress report. Absolutely, Tanner. And I wanted to follow up on a quick piece of news yesterday. I know we talked about flooding going on in parts of Texas, but in other parts of Texas, they're experiencing the worst drought since 2011. Almost the entire state of Texas is experiencing a severe drought level, except for those corners of the state where they're receiving flooding. Um, and so as we continue to watch this thing here, it is, Tanner, like I said, the worst drought since 2011, caused mostly by climate patterns in the tropical Pacific Ocean. And as you look at uh, the drought monitor, they're not quite to 2011 levels yet, where pretty much the entire state, except for the very western and the very southern tips of Texas in 2011, were not experiencing drought. But when you look at the two in comparison, they are pretty darn close, Tanner. So continuing to hope that some of those folks get rain, but not the ones that are experiencing the drought that we talked about yesterday. Yeah, it seems like drought is affecting a lot of things that you wouldn't think of. Uh, I came across an article this morning that said 
you may not realize it, but tomato products are becoming more and more expensive. They're leading one of the highest levels of inflation in grocery products. Of course, California drought has killed off so many of tomatoes and the lack of the ability to irrigate is causing issues there. I don't know if you realized it or if you use tomato paste, but tomato paste is up 80% cost-wise since last year. Regular tomato sauce up 17%. Ketchup is almost 25% more expensive. I don't know if I paid attention to that, Delaney, but it seems like we could have a bit of an issue. Of course, they're citing fertilizer as a higher cost of production, but mainly where a lot of U.S. tomatoes are grown is also in those drought areas. More than 37% of farmers have lost their tomato crop this year. So another thing for us to keep our eye on in some of these areas of drought. Absolutely, Tanner. And before I get to my next piece of news here, I want to take a quick pause to hear our, a message from today's sponsor, Sitgo Mystic. Since 1922, Mystic Lubricants has been providing superior performance and protection for farmers who demand the most out of their equipment. Today, Mystic continues to develop products in real-world conditions that are specially formulated to meet the unique demands of your specialized machines. They provide advanced protection for engine longevity and are the choice of people who make a living working the land. Learn more about Mystic products at mysticlubes.com. That's M-Y-S-T-I-K lubes.com. Well, Tanner, I tell you what, I don't have a ton of additional news here other than the continued debate about inflation. According to Tom Crest, who's a writer with The Packer, this is just his opinion, but he said that food inflation will continue to persist, which I think ties nicely to the story you just mentioned there, Tanner, about tomato paste. He said so far, he asked this question on LinkedIn in a fresh produce industry discussion group, and so far, 88% of those folks answered that they believe food inflation is continuing to get worse, and the worst is still yet to come. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the food index of consumer prices increased 1.1% in July, representing the seventh consecutive monthly increase of nine-tenths of a percent increase or more. So going to probably continue to be shocked by those prices that we see at the grocery store, Tanner. Yeah, no kidding. Last piece, I have just two quick headlines. Uh, article that popped out here saying there's fewer hog farms, but far more hogs per farm. So uh, as we see the consolidation efforts in agriculture, it looks like hogs and the hog swine industry is definitely a focus of that. Large farms with more than 2,000 head held 61% of the U.S. hogs in 1997. Their share grew to 91% in the last report. So more hog farms now have more than 2,000 head on their farms, although they were one-eighth of the 66,000-plus farms in the nation, they are holding a large percentage of the hogs by volume. Also, compared to 1997 when the last data was collected, hogs are now going to slaughter 33 pounds heavier than in those areas. So two factors there in the hog industry, more hogs and larger hogs are creating an increased supply of U.S. pork which is also important, like we talked to Jeff about yesterday in our Market Monday episode about how we're gonna continue to hit demand there. And last piece is just energy related. Germany is bringing back on a coal-fired power plant to save on gas costs. So they were looking to phase 
all of their coal power out, but because of energy crisis in their side of the country or their side of the world, they are continuing to use coal powered. So that's what I've got for today, Delaney. Well, Tanner, the only other thing I have for today is the markets, which continued to hold strength in the overnight session as we continue to see crop conditions reports getting worse week over week and pro farmer crop tour numbers uh, coming in lower than expected. New crop corn up about 16 cents in the overnight. New crop soybeans up 13, excuse me, up five cents in the overnight. And Chicago wheat up about 12 cents in the overnight as well. So Tanner, I'm not going to waste any more time to the news, but we do need to take one more quick message from today's sponsor before we turn it over to our conversation today, talking to Sick Codes about his recent hack into the John Deere system. Since 1922, Mystic Lubricants has been providing superior performance and protection for farmers who demand the most out of their equipment. Today, Mystic continues to develop products in real-world conditions that are specially formulated to meet the unique demands of your specialized machines. They provide advanced protection for engine longevity and are the choice of people who make a living working the land. Learn more about Mystic products at mysticlubes.com. That's M-Y-S-T-I-K lubes.com. Listeners, this is a first for an Ag News Daily podcast. I'm super excited. I think Delaney is a little bit apprehensive for our (laughs) guest today. I am here to introduce to you Sick, who is a white hat hacker. So yes, this is a one name individual, and I can't wait to get into the discussion. So Sick, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. So let's jump right into this because you made headlines (laughs) all over the place the last couple of weeks because you are part of the team, or was it just you that hacked into a John Deere, would you call it an interface or or operating system to play a video game, right? Yeah, the brains of the the entire fleet. So it goes in there, it goes into all their equipment. So um, harvesters, combines, tractors, all the same thing, and then... Yeah, sprayers, everything, all the John Deere stuff. Yeah, totally. It was just me this year, actually. Last year, we hacked John Deere's mainframe, um, which is a little bit different. It's all their cloud stuff, but equally as important, obviously. Yeah, but this quarter, sorry, this year was just the hardware, but the flagship model uh, and also the latest model. <laughs> so, yeah. Yes. Okay, so for our listeners, tell us what you do. So they have a little bit of a background as to, to what this means. Yeah, so as a white hat hacker, it's pro, it's like a like it's like a security is kind of this risk risk reward thing where it's kind of like you've got to tell the manufacturer that they've got problems and they fix it and then it keeps going in circles like that. But it's kind of like um, you know, software has holes. You know, by design, it's vulnerable. By design, it's this risk mitigation thing. But um, it seemed that agriculture wasn't really getting a look at, and it is. It's one of the most important things there is. You know, I think it's like one fifth of the GDP or something like that. Uh, you know, and people that eat food, it's relevant to that group of people, which is probably everyone. And yeah, it was just kind of, yeah, I did a DEF CON talk last, I think it was last week or two weeks ago, where jailbroke the official, yeah, John Deere 4240 and 4640 display on stage or presented a jailbroken device. And what I mean by jailbroken is fully unlocked, uh, modified and running a computer game, a popular computer game. 
Now, I imagine that John Deere has not responded favorably to this because we've seen a ton of news on Twitter and in the media. Has John Deere reached out to you directly to ask you to quit doing this or made any comments to you? Well, John Deere and I, um, dear John and I have a kind of like love-hate relationship. They <laughs> kind of they kind of wish I didn't exist, but I kind of, you know, I'm, I love them. They're kind of fun. Like they're fun to have, you know, they're fun to do research on because it's such an important part of the, uh, the earth. And it's also like, it's kind of like this game where like I'm quite literally hacking something that is so important to the, the, uh, the, like the, the whole country's, you know, um, well-being that it's kind of like, why isn't anyone else looking at this? And it's kind of like Deer's got this responsibility where they have to kind of um, maintain the security of their devices. And if guys like me um, or anyone in any country can sort of, you know, uh, jailbreak, brute, or, you know, effectively hack in a good way their their products, then, you know, is John Deere doing enough in terms of security? And also are they doing enough in terms of uh, the other argument, which is right to repair? But um, yeah, I'm kind of new. I'm, I'm not pro or against that one because I haven't had all the arguments yet. But John Deere wishes I was because I they could call me some sort of activist or something like that. But um, yeah, it's just kind of this can of worms that had never been opened. And I thought I'd just open it on the global st- stage. I didn't realize it was going to be that that global. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that got really big really fast. And uh, it's your accent is coming through. So, I mean, you obviously can't keep it a secret that you're from Australia. So is it is it a point as a white hat hacker to where do you need to remain remain anonymous or or location specific or is it not quite that big of a deal uh, compared to other types of hacking? Well, it's it's really not big of a deal. It's just you know personal preference and you know just yeah things in the past and things in the future. You know you kind of just don't want things to people just rolling around where you live and stuff like that or knowing where you live and it's kind of you know this actors out there that kind of want to get the information that they know you've got. So say, for example, while I'm hacking Microsoft stuff and then getting paid by Microsoft for their bug bounty, because like as a white hacker, they will pay you for their bugs, which John D doesn't do, by the way, they don't pay you anything, um, which obviously they should, right? Being such a most important industry in the world, one of them. And so companies, there's actually, you know, threat actors out there that will go and try and hack other hackers or, you know, blackmail them and things like that and trying to get stuff that they have, you know, whether it's, access or you know they'll, they'll all sorts of things even it's been reported before that the fbi does this to, to, to black hat hackers that have like turned the turn the tide and they turn them into sort of but that's another that's another story for another day but yeah i kind of like would like to remain, remain anonymous and i don't really like did last year try to send me uh some swag when i mean my swag is they try to send me a hat and a, like a memorabilia coin and then also a water bottle Thank you for hacking our mainframe. Here's like some stuff from our company so you can put it on the shelf um, <laughs> as like a reward, right? Instead of giving money out. And um, I did, I said, I don't want to give you my address because I really want to know, want you to know where I live. And yeah, it's kind of like that. So they don't know my name. Um, they might think they do, but they just don't. And um, I like, kind of like that. It's kind of fun because I don't have anything to lose. And I also don't have anything to gain. Like it's, I'm in this weird neutral spot where ag companies, well, sorry, John Deere, they, they kind of, but they have to deal with this elephant in the room, which is cybersecurity and agriculture. And it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like this thing that nobody's dealing with on a, on a proper scale yet, which I'm trying to sort of bring into the, the, the spotlight, but D doesn't want to be in the spotlight, if you know what I mean? So it's kind of like that. Right. And it is interesting though, that they kind of hit the spotlight earlier this spring, late winter, 
when the Russians stole a bunch of John Deere equipment in Ukraine. And once it got back and identified, those items were remotely shut down and deemed inoperable, at least for por a portion of the time until maybe some eventual hacking was going on. So they were in the spotlight a little bit in regards to what was considered worldwide a positive thing as uh, able to deactivate these machines. But a lot of the headlines that we saw around what you did at DEF CON is maybe open the door for our listeners in their battle against the right to repair. What do you know about that side as a hacker? Well, that's kind of what I wanted to do. And it's exactly the same thing, which is bring up the idea that for some parts of the industry, and I was, I've been discussing this or thinking about it, I've thought about a lot of things the last couple of weeks, but particularly the where is the line in the sand? And I think that's what's missing from, maybe missing from the right to repair argument. And I've seen these, I've seen a couple of uh, the the hearings and things like that. Um, we call it Parliament in Australia, but you know the things like Senate. I don't know what it's called, but you go in, you go in, state your purpose, and and everyone discusses the issue. But the kind of the kind of seems to be this sort of fluidity in the goalposts. And I think I was trying to sort of ex expedite some of the the issues there, being like, well, in actual fact, cybersecurity isn't really a part of the argument in terms of right to repair in some parts because well look at DR they don't they were not actually doing much cybersecurity at the start so that was kind of what I was sort of um <clears throat> kind of like bring to to foresight but there's also the other thing you're saying earlier which was the the remote tractor thing which is also that there's also that double argument of a remote tractor being disabled now is that is that yeah so I actually asked DR back in in June I think I'd asked them actually did you remotely jailbreak those Sorry, remotely. Now I'll say that again. Sorry. Did you remotely disable those tractors or did the dealership in Ukraine remotely disable them? And they obviously said, we can't tell you that. So I said, okay, great. Well, yeah, uh, it could be either of them. And even if it is, there's also the third argument of, or third discussion point, which is exactly what you mentioned, which is, is that actually ethical for them to do that remotely, have that backdoor ability to just write off machines? You know, is that ethical to be able to do that? And I kind of wanted, wanted to show farmers that, well, they can actually jailbreak their own tractors they can disable the ability for deer to contact their tractor in effect that also opens up the door for stolen tractors you know people can steal tractors and then unlock them and things like there's so many different arguments that need to be sort of brought to brought to light that's what i was trying to do and i think it kind of worked because a lot of people i mean i'm here on your show you know a lot of people have been reaching out and it's kind of like it became a mainstream issue gaming tech ag gadgets uh international uh national security. There's just so many different issues and cyber and hacking um, on a global level. And it's really important to sort of address these and right to repair. <laughs> so why did you just, I'm curious, because I think you mentioned earlier that you maybe had done some hacking at Microsoft um, and other companies, tech companies. Why did you decide to go after John Deere and the ag industry in particular? Was there an event or something that caused that? So yeah, there was a guy, Paul Roberts, a uh, very good friend of mine. He's part of an organization known as Secure Repairs. And he actually, uh, that's a pro rights repair group. And that's all about security in um, repairing, repairability of devices. And he actually contacted me and um, we'd obviously been doing stuff before. We'd talked about um, stories. He's covered my hacks in TCL TVs where I found a backdoor uh, and things like that. You know, Brave browser and all the sort of random hacks that I've done Microsoft. And he said, look, there's no CVEs in John Deere. Um, you know, isn't that like a, a kind of like he's baiting me into sort of like having a look at it. And I said, oh, yeah, that's a pretty good, pretty good idea. And little did I know that John Deere and uh, other ad companies, Case IH Class, 
know, and then uh, Agco, which has also had a bit of news this year as well, being ransomware. And then you know, th- those companies, I didn't know there was that much tech involved and that much connectivity. And, and there's kind of this weird part where Ag's gone from a more physical manual, uh, like sort of like nuts and bolts style industry into a tech company, te- tech industry, whereas things like Facebook came out of tech first. It's kind of like this real dichotomy of uh, industries and they can't ex- like there's no there's no other kind of industries other than say industrial earthworks and mining etc that have kind of moved into tech uh, on a global scale and i think the main part is yeah that nobody was looking at it and i thought yeah i kind of i would like to be a person that's looking at it and it's kind of been pretty explosive since then <laughs> very yeah, no and john deere. yeah john deere's obviously had a significant response to all this as well so yeah so it just sounds like you're having fun like this is something that that you enjoy doing, whether it's full time gig or a hobby. But uh, that's interesting that you're kind of dared to do this, and and because of a dare, now you are worldwide famous. But like you said, also not because nobody necessarily knows who you are. But I, I'm curious <laughs> if I or one of our listeners want to get into become a white hat hacker. How, how do you do this? Is it self taught? Is there is there a training program? What does that look like? Well, there's probably a lot of people listening that are that are already hackers. You know, people who tune engines and things like OBD. You know, like things like this, like uh, you know, CAN bus devices. Things that people do are practically hacking. They're literally improving the device or getting into the device, um, not as per the manufacturer's requirements or things like that. They're actually going in and changing things. There's a lot of different aspects to hacking, and and you know, uh, if you want to get into it, you probably just sort of assess what you've got in terms of tech. You know, read around GitHub. Twitter's a good place to find um, information and sort of live coverage of exploits and vulnerabilities. Um, for example, I'm on Twitter. Uh, and that's where I think I published the Doom video, which is the uh, game, the 1993 classic on the tractor. So I played Doom on a tractor, jailbroken. Uh, and yeah, I published that at DEF CON, which is a massive hacking conference in Vegas. And I think there's about 30,000 hackers there. So that's kind of like the global summit of hackers. So if anyone... Um, yeah, if you want to get into hacking, I mean, just come along to, to uh, DEF CON next year or, or check out any local DEF CON groups or you know, follow some hackers or agricultural security people or, you know, YouTube's a good place to find hackers and things like that. There's a lot of places to actually get content or even learn. Like I've, I, in, my, in my talk, the slides are completely public and I've outlaid exactly what I did and exactly how I did it. And the thought process, the most important part, is exactly the way I did it in terms of thought process. And I think Deer might be studying that uh, at the moment. And um, I've given them an exam and I said, if you can get Doom running or if they're going to run, they're going to put Doom in the next version, that'd be cool. But I don't think they'll be able to do it. So <laughs> and I'm also daring them now. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of like this game. Yeah. It's not a game. It's kind of like, it, it's the response. Like I find it fun because it's kind of like, they've got a massive responsibility, but they, they need to take a little bit more seriously. And I'm sort of just prodding them along. So in effect, I'm actually contributing to their, cybersecurity success. You know, I was the first person in their program last year. Um, like they actually created the program because of me, their bug, bug bounty hacker one program. So, you know, they, they, they use that marketing material now. <laughs> so, you know, in effect, I'm helping them, but uh, that was kind of, yeah, that's kind of the progress that I've made. But, you know, there are ways, like I've described in detail exactly how I did it in the slides. And yeah, if you want to reach out, you can reach me on yeah, you can reach me on email um, or just Google sick codes and look at the video. The video is not out yet on DEF CON, but it'll be on YouTube soon and you can watch exactly how I did it at the talk. 
Um, and you can also reach me there as well. But yeah, there's also hackers in every industry, you know, cat, Caterpillar, you know, um, trucks, Kenworth, Cummins. There's a lot of different industries that sort of need this kind of spotlight as well. Um, not just ag, but yeah, you know, industry, mining, construction, forestry. Yeah. So, Sick, before we let you go, I wanted to ask one more question. Are you planning to hack anything in the ag industry again anytime soon? Or are you focusing your efforts solely on John Deere? Well, I actually feel like I'm bullying John Deere sometimes. But um, <laughs> if I look up the last two years of PR, the only person doing, um, like, it feels weird. It feels like I'm, like I'm the only person doing it publicly. And I don't know if that's a good thing or not. Um, but, yeah, it's kind of like I you know, I enjoy hacking with deer and I've showed them stuff before and they appreciate what I give them and things like that. Like they love what I'm doing in sort of certain ways, you know, it brings them, you know, but sometimes obviously they don't love it, which is when they get brought into the spotlight for certain things. But yeah, you know, every company is a target um, for, for malicious hackers. I'm a white hat hacker, but there are black hat hackers out there. Um, you know, there's countries out there, nation states that want to get access to the agricultural data that are created by the machines. And so what better way to do that than uh, break into the devices remotely? And that's what, you know, that's what companies do. Look at Agco. They got ransomware for X million dollars. JBS had the issue as well. Like all that data and, and you know, business acumen and, and, and IP was stolen. You know, that, that's the worst thing to happen. Not me. I'm not the boogeyman. Like <laughs> they're, they're looking at the wrong guy. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I'm looking at other, other products as well. So. Great. Well, sick. We, Try to keep this conversation short. I feel like I could ask you questions all morning. So we appreciate you taking the time. Listeners, look him up on Twitter. Go find him. Just like I said, just Google it and uh, take a look. But I think Delaney and I are going to have to attend DEF CON next year to see if we can brush <laughs> up and pick up on some hacking cells. So, Sick, we appreciate it having you jump on the Ag News Daily Podcast. Thank you. No worries. Thanks so much. Well, Delaney, that was a sick conversation. That was awful. I apologize, but I can't help it. I'm excited. I'm fired up. What a great way to start our Tech Tuesday. That was honestly probably one of the best Tech Tuesdays we've had in quite some time, Tanner. Absolutely. Listeners, there's going to be more to come. Stay tuned. If this is the first time you've caught us, we're out on a podcast every single day. We release the latest news headlines related to agriculture. Same thing. If you just found us, come find us at the Farm Progress Show next week. We will be running around. Check our social media. That will tell you exactly where you can find us. Absolutely, Tanner. And with that, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.